some of us, if not most of us, can get super nervous walking down the aisle. Now, I'm not talking about that aisle, so no need to cue the wedding bells here. Rather, I'm talking about the skincare aisle of your local drugstore. You're listening to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast, episode 34 of season 2. In today's episode, we sit down with Fatma Fahas, aka Dermy Doctor, to discuss all things related to skincare. We go over morning and nighttime routines, if toners actually matter, what face masks work best, and products we should definitely avoid. Hi everyone, Dunya here. So I'm doing this solo this time. A few weeks ago, I had shared with you all the unfortunate passing of Zena's grandfather. And I want to honestly thank you all for extending your condolences to Zena and her family. And at the moment, she is taking a break to spend time with her loved ones. You know, losing a loved one is something that can truly leave you gutted. You're overcome with the overwhelming feeling of pain and loss. And even though we know that death is written for all of us, regardless of your faith or your social status, it still doesn't mean that we won't feel numbness or shock when we do lose someone very close to us. The loss of someone's life, it's honestly truly a tricky thing to navigate and grief does appear in our lives whether we welcome it or not. This year has brought upon so much loss and I truly wish for you and your loved ones to stay safe and stay in good health always. If you are someone who is going through this, be easy on yourself. The grieving process is not a one-size-fits-all and it doesn't come with a manual guide. Some days you'll feel okay and other days you'll feel the sharp pain of losing your loved one all over again as if it just happened yesterday. Maybe always remember and celebrate the lives of our loved ones and may Allah open the gates of heaven for them and may we all one day reunite in the hereafter, inshallah. In today's episode, which we pre-recorded a couple weeks ago, Zain and I sat down with Fatma Fahas. Most of you, if not all, know her as Dermy Doctor on Instagram. She is a Michigan native and she practices medical, surgical, and cosmetic dermatology. We couldn't think of a better guest expert and we are so fortunate to have this conversation with Fatma. I've shared this plenty of times before, but I suffered from horrible acne breakouts, you guys. Not your typical breakouts that make a quick and short appearance once in a while, but I actually had cystic acne and the pain and the feeling of dealing with it was unbearable at times. Honestly, sometimes I just wouldn't even leave my house at all. And recently, I actually found out that acne is the most common skin condition in the U.S., and it's also linked to depression and anxiety. I truly wish I had the resources and the knowledge I have now when I was younger and didn't know any better. So I hope this conversation answers most of your questions, but the greatest tip we share during this episode is to seek professional skincare help. Not from your local TikToker, no shade, but from an actual dermatologist. Most insurance companies, if not all, cover visits to your local dermatologist. So how about we stop wasting hundreds of dollars at Sephora, because I'm guilty, and actually sit down with a professional first. So in this episode, we discuss the do's and the don'ts, tips and myths in regards to skincare. We talk about the common skincare mistakes. I have so many to share with you guys. And we also talk about if jade rollers actually work or not. Uh, do estheticians and dermatologists actually get along? And what serums and face masks work and which are overrated? And a lot more because you guys definitely shared your questions and we definitely tried to answer as much as possible. Make sure to stop by our last post and share with us your feedback. Personally, honestly, I'm very passionate about skincare because of my skincare journey. And I genuinely hope you leave this episode with more clarity in regards to this topic. Once again, thank you so much to Dermy Doctor for sitting down with us and having this conversation. So let's dive in. This is by far one of the most requested episode topics that we've gotten since for the past two years since we started this podcast. So I'm so happy that we're talking to you today. Can you go ahead and just introduce yourself to those listening and then we can get right into it? Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here today and just to have this conversation because like you said, I mean, this is something that I'm hearing all the time. So it's helpful also to put it out there and something tangible to be able to listen to on a drive. But my name is Fatme Fahis. I'm a Lebanese American um, Muslim born and raised here in Michigan. I am officially a dermatologist. It's so exciting to say that out loud. You guys <laughs> That's awesome. No idea. 
Thank you. So yeah, 12 years of schooling after high school, you know, four years of undergrad, four years of medical school, four years of residency. And now I'm a practicing dermatologist here in Michigan. And I just love all things skincare. But uh, one of the things that people don't realize about dermatology is it's so much more than that. So I know we're going to really be focusing on that today. But truly medicine is my passion and my calling. And I just feel so lucky and so blessed to be able to do this every single day. Absolutely right. Because we just had a hair episode and you forget that your hair is coming out of skin. And this is also something that a dermatologist is very well equipped in in that conversation as well. So majority of our body is covered in skin. So of course, yeah, there's a lot. Yes, skin. exactly. So that's why it's like, yeah, there it's more than just skincare. But I feel like on this podcast, it's crazy that we haven't covered skincare yet. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Especially somebody like me who has suffered a lot from acne breakouts years ago. Obviously, I finally found, I think, my routine that works for me. But for everybody listening at home, I want to start with the basics. How can you tell what type of skin you have? Because I feel like when you do know that, then you know what products to use, when to use them and etc. Yeah, I think determining your skin type is a good place to start just because it'll help you at least narrow some things down in terms of what you're choosing when you're walking down the skincare aisle. But I always tell my patients just because something worked really well for somebody else with your similar skin type doesn't mean it's going to work for you. But certainly honing in on your skin type can be helpful. So those of us who are blessed with normal skin, um, you know, those are the individuals that have pretty good, you know, clear, smooth skin. They have a nice balance between between moisture and oil production, and they don't really have lots of blemishes. They tend to just have somewhat of a radiant complexion, maybe minimal pore visibility. We hate those people. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm like thinking that in my head. I'm like, oh, so lucky. That sounds like a dream. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we have people with oily skin. So oily skin types tend to complain about like a lot of shine. They just feel like they're always blotting their face or they need to use those blotting wipes. They tend to have an overproduction of sebum, which is basically the fancy word for our skin's oil. And they can be readily influenced by factors like hormones, diet, stress. So these people tend to complain about oiliness, large pore size, and blemishes. And then we have the dry skin type. So those with dry skin often complain that they have like an uneven or dull skin tone and their face feels more tight or they don't feel that bounce. They tend to get like patches and cracking and peeling. And for those people who are dry, they may have more visibility of their fine lines and wrinkles. And then the last one, which is what I am, is combination skin type. And I think this is a pretty tricky one because you are a combination of both dry and oily. So maybe your T-zone tends to get more oily and shiny and you complain of blackheads in that area, but your lateral outside cheek area um, tends to be on the drier side. And so it can be tricky picking products. That's so true. I I know I'm combination. What do you think you are, Zaina? I know I get dry around like my nose and cheek area. And this has only been, I've discovered it over the last few years. I think once I moved to Chicago and the winter really took a toll on my skin, I always thought I was combination, but I don't, I don't, I think I'll, between, like, I don't know. That's interesting. How do you, yeah. yeah. You don't have to like marry to one, you know, one skin type, but it certainly is helpful to just pay attention to how your skin seems to react on a daily basis. And that way you can kind of tailor the sort of process products you're using or trying. This is something I think I've struggled with for a while. And I think I still struggle with this because I'm one of those people that, Fathma, you probably roll your eyes at because I have a 20 stop <laughs> skincare routine. And I swear to God, there's no exaggeration. Like I literally just recently said, I need a, my own personal luggage for my skincare whenever I'm traveling. And it's so annoying. <laughs> and I know that's not okay. And not only do I have a 20 stop skincare routine, but I have it in the morning and at night. And that does not make sense. And I know there's some things that are either canceling one another out or or there's just too much that I'm using, I'm doing, and I'm actually doing more harm than good. Can we talk about what products we should be focusing on in the morning and then versus at night and in what order? Because I think that's also something that yes. maybe some people don't know. First of all, you know, kudos to you for the 20 step routine. <laughs> but I cannot do that. I don't feel like skincare is um, relaxing for me. Some people truly treat this like a ritual and maybe it should be because I'm a dermatologist, but <laughs> most of the time I'm honestly just trying to either get to bed or get out the door. And so for those of us who feel that way, then you need to just remember a few basics in terms of skincare. So in the morning, the first thing you want to do is cleanse. 
And picking your cleanser will really just depend on your skin type. If you're more acne prone, maybe you're using something that helps to control oil or has active ingredients with acne. If you're more normal to dry skin, then maybe you're using something more gentle. But always start your day with a cleanser. Some people who have super dry skin don't even cleanse. They just kind of splash a little bit of lukewarm water on their face and that's their step. The next step is really to protect your skin. And that comes for me in two forms. One is in the form of like a vitamin C serum um, that will help to brighten your complexion and also boost the properties of your sunscreen. And then I kind of gave it away, but the third step would be a sunscreen. Yes, I tend to make sure I'm wearing a sunscreen. And then if the sunscreen contains a moisturizer, that's great. If it doesn't, then I make sure to moisturize before I apply the sunscreen. Um, but sunscreen usually has to be the last step. Um, and then at nighttime, you want to cleanse again. And then this is where I call in the treatment phase, whether that's a prescription product from your dermatologist, whether it's an exfoliation step, whether um, it's a brightening serum, you want to treat after you cleanse, and then you want to seal everything in with a moisturizer. But that's really honestly all you need to do. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I may be hating on your 20 step skincare routine, but it's okay to do it, especially if you enjoy it and you do feel like you like the process as a whole, but I definitely don't think it's a necessary step. So, you know, for those people who are wanting to do that huge routine, that's fine. You know, in terms of your steps, you can cleanse, exfoliate, apply a toner or an essence of your choice, any serums after that, and then a moisturizer. And then of course, if it's the morning, then you want to make sure you're topping everything off with a sunscreen. You know, I think because of like prior breakouts, especially now because we're dealing with mask acne or mask knee, whatever you want to call it. I use a lot of lightening products, not overall skin lightening, because obviously we're not into that. It's just more so like blemish lightening products that I do use. And I'm using three different brand names because I feel like the more I'm using the quicker lighten up. Is that a myth or am I just doing too much and I should just stick to one brand when it comes to that? Like, you know, Murad, that's what it's called. They have one where it's like acne lightening cream. So I tend to like products that do combine multiple ingredients because if we can improve, you know, a concern such as hyperpigmentation with more than one ingredient, then why not? I tend to shy away from doing too many in different formulations at once because each one can be just as irritating as the next. But for example, when we talk about hyperpigmentation or dark spots, that's a huge subject. And there's tons of ingredients on the market that can help with that. Hydroquinone is, you know, the gold standard. This is uh, basically a skin lightening product that inhibits one of the necessary steps in the pathway of producing melanin or color. Over the counter, you can find it in a low percentage. And then from your dermatologist, you can get a prescription hydroquinone. Then in addition to that, that can be combined with certain types of acids to help stimulate cell turnover, kojic acid, glycolic acid, mandelic acid, and then antioxidants can be combined in a serum like vitamin C, vitamin E, and then different plant extracts like mulberry or licorice root extract. There's even azelaic acid acid and niacinamide. So all of these ingredients, it's kind of overwhelming to be like, which one do I need to use? So I do tend to maybe favor more combination products that help brightening using multiple ingredients to kind of give you the overall effect that you want. You brought a good point um, about being overwhelmed, but these products actually, or these ingredients are not that hard to find you guys. Like majority of my products, it's easy to find and they do have those ingredients. I think I just, I'm doing too much. Like I shouldn't be using so many different brand names because they could be colliding. You, you did say the formulas could be a little bit different from one another and they could irritate your skin. You know, I think what confuses me the most is social media is flooded with all these people giving their recommendations just, and just like you said, just because it works for one person doesn't mean it's going to work for me. Me, but I think it took me a while to understand that. So when my favorite blogger would post something that worked for them, I would run out to Sephora or Ulta and buy it. And then I had all these products that I didn't need. I had all these moisturizers and creams and serums that weren't really working for my skin. So right now, I think what I'm focusing on is finding things that work for my skin and my skin only. 
What about eye cream, Fatima? Can we talk about just really quickly, briefly about eye cream? Because I know a lot of people who suffer from under eye puffiness or under eye, like dark under eyes and whatnot. Obviously, there's just so many different solutions for that. But what are some quick topical treatments that they could do that maybe they can even just find at a, at a drugstore? And obviously, sometimes it's also your lifestyle too that could either hinder or benefit your under eyes. Yeah. So dark under eyes is kind of like a catch-all term, but dark under eyes can be caused by a lot of different things. So the first step is to kind of assess why do I have dark circles under my eyes or why am I seeing that? So number one, people who have allergies, they're going to have puffier or darker under eyes. So sometimes just taking a daily antihistamine in the morning for those people who are more allergy prone makes a huge difference. And I actually just had a patient who was complaining about this, asking me about an expensive eye cream. And I told her, you look like you're allergy prone, are you? And she mentioned that she was and she doesn't take antihistamine just because she doesn't really like to on a daily basis. But I told her to give it a go for a month. And I just heard from her and she said, oh my goodness, what a difference it made under my eyes. So sometimes just because something is like a hundred bucks doesn't mean it's going to solve your problem. So assessing first, why do you have dark under eyes? Do you have allergies? Um, Are you dealing with more of an aging process? Is this just something that has worsened over time? Are you sleep deprived? Are there people in your family that have really dark under eyes? And is this more of a genetic issue? So, you know, making sure you're understanding from a bird's eye view what the issue is could be really helpful. Lots of people are not wearing sunscreen on a daily basis. And just like how we counsel people that your dark spots will get darker on your face without sunscreen, so will your under eyes. So it's important to get that sunscreen around that area to make sure you protect the collagen under your eyes so it doesn't break down and so that area doesn't get darker. Those of us who have more dilated blood vessels where you can kind of see it looks really blue and veiny, then we need to help with the puffiness by depuffing in the morning. And so that could be with caffeine containing under eye cream, or even this is kind of like the one case where I'll say, okay, these like jade rollers and things can be really helpful if you cool them and apply them under the eye. It's really just working to help depuff the area, constrict those blood vessels so they don't appear so bright. And then of course our diet is going to play a huge role. So those of us who are drinking alcohol or if you're eating a lot of salt, that can certainly cause under eye puffiness from dehydration. And then the last thing I say too is structurally, anatomy wise, you know, you want to take note, do you have a really obvious groove? And that's what we call the tear trough area. So when you see these before and afters online of people getting under eye filler, it's because the groove they have is actually creating that line and filling it back up with filler can help to take away that shadow that causes the look of an under eye bag or darkening. And I've seen a lot of people actually do that. I mean, sometimes, yeah, it's not always the $100, you know, eye creams that are going to work. Sometimes you kind of have to figure out at the root of what's causing your under eye puffiness or the dark eyes. And I think sometimes we do think like the more pricier a product is, the more effective it'll be. But it might not even work at all for you. You might be treating your under eyes in, in a way that you shouldn't be. But you mentioned sunscreen. And I think sunscreen is super, super important. I think we're going to discuss this in just a bit. But I was always ignorant when it came to sunscreen. I thought, oh, this is so stupid. I swear I can't believe I'm even saying it on air. But I thought because I tan easily, I don't need sunscreen. That does not even make sense at all. Actually, because I tan easily, it might mean that I do need more sunscreen. But, you know, actually, let's just discuss sunscreen right now because I think people, including me, need this reminder. I think we don't take sunscreen that seriously. And majority of our skincare issues come from the fact that, you know, we're aging because of the sun or, you know, all these things are being caused from the sun. Yeah. So, I mean, I will preface this by saying I'm totally guilty of visiting a tanning bed when I was a teenager and I'm so mad at myself for it. Like, I just cannot believe I used to do that, but it still happens. And if you're listening and you're using a tanning bed, please stop because not only are you increasing your risk of skin cancer, but you're not going to love yourself in a few years when you start to really get all these wrinkles and thick leathery skin and all the stuff you're spending money on in terms of skincare and, you know, potentially Botox and all of that. It kind of goes down the drain if you're damaging your DNA by going to a tanning bed or laying out to tan. So 
for the record, there is literally no such thing as a safe tan unless it comes from a bottle. So you're using some sort of fake tanner or a spray tanner. But if anything involves laying out in the sun or standing in a tanning bed or laying down in a tanning bed, it's just not safe because all that is the tan, that color is happening from DNA damage and that UV radiation breaking up your DNA and causing an increased risk of the skin cancer. So just like we talk about cigarettes being a carcinogen, tanning is a carcinogen. So we need to get this out of our heads that just because we tend to tan better, that it's okay for us to do it. So that's number one. (laughs) Number two is sunscreen. Yes, it's hard to get in the habit of wearing this daily, but I promise you there is a sunscreen out there for you. And for most people, you know, if you take a trip to your dermatologist and let them know, I'm really trying to find a good sunscreen for me. We can make some good recommendations, hand you some samples. I love doing this for my patients because not everyone's going to love the same sunscreen and not everyone is going to want to use the same sunscreen. So giving samples out of sunscreens that I like in the office just makes it so much easier for my patient to give a couple of them a try and then go ahead and purchase a full size version of one that they actually like. Because the only way to use a sunscreen is on a daily basis and to make it a habit just like the rest of your skincare. I wish I heard this conversation when I was in my teens because I always thought, like Dunya said, sunscreen wasn't something that I needed because I am olive skin. I didn't get sunburned quickly. Like it wasn't something that I had to deal with. But now as a 27 year old, I have two sunspots on my cheek. I have family members who have melasma and are dealing with that. And they wish the same thing. Why didn't anyone tell us that we needed sunscreen growing up? Because now they're in their 40s and 50s and they're dealing with melasma and they're going through all these treatments trying to figure it out. So if you're listening, no matter what age you are, put on that SPF before you leave the house. I will literally leave the house with absolutely no makeup as long as I have my tinted SPF on. That's exactly. it. Oh, that makes me yeah. so happy. I have another question for in regards to sunscreen. I've had tinted moisturizers that come with the SPF. Is that enough or are we are we supposed to use like a, an SPF on its own? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I'm not a fan of using um, the SPF in makeup products. So if it's like a foundation and it tells you it has SPF in it, then you're likely not going to use enough of it to actually get the full amount on. And really, this is kind of the problem with our sunscreen system here in the US is the way it's tested. You really want to be using a good nickel to quarter sized amount of sunscreen on your face to make sure you're getting that SPF of whatever the bottle is claiming. So for most people, I say SPF with moisturizers are probably okay um, if you're using a good amount of them, but makeup containing uh, SPF or sunscreens is not my favorite thing. So I will usually do a base layer. And then even if my foundation says it contains a sunscreen, at least I have my base layer on and I know that I've gotten that amount and then I'll go ahead and use my makeup because most of us aren't applying a large amount of that foundation on to really get the sunscreen benefits. Thank you for clarifying that. I think honestly, the only reason why we were so resistant towards sunscreen is because we didn't know better. You just think that you don't need this and it's just one less product that you have to purchase. But honestly, out of all the products that we're using morning and night, this is something that we definitely need. And you also need it. I know you mentioned that like you don't even have to go outside to really need sunscreen. Just we're sitting in our studio, Zaina, and like the sun is like literally coming through the windows. So it's like you still need it even when you're kind of indoors. Yeah. Yeah, And And during during winter. winter. Let's talk about common skincare mistakes. I feel like I've definitely been guilty of all of these, especially <laughs> over exfoliating because sometimes yes. I think, yeah, to lighten the acne, post acne marks and whatever, the more exfoliate, the better it is. But I'm, I think I'm damaging my skin. Can we talk about these common skincare mistakes? Yeah, for sure. So over exfoliating is definitely one of them. I personally am not a fan of using like a really harsh acid or a daily physical scrub every single day because although it you tend to feel like, oh my gosh, I got that really good squeaky clean, that's not the correct feeling your skin should have. So anytime you're doing something where when you're done, you feel a tightness, a dryness, a, a squeaky clean feeling then you may have actually gone too far. And a lot of people use exfoliation to help with, for example, acne or oil production. But when we do too much of it, it actually leads to over dryness and our sebum kicks up in our skin because it thinks, oh, we're dry, we need more oil. So then you get into this vicious cycle of needing to do it every day because you're so oily and you've created that oil problem for yourself. So for most people, you really wanna limit exfoliation to one to three times a week 
peak at max. Um, and that'll, you know, depend based on your skin type. Another really common skincare mistake is not wearing sunscreen, but hopefully we've clarified yes, that. So <laughs> the third thing I always mention is sleeping with makeup. And this is so hard for those late nights when you're out or you went to, for example, a wedding and you got really dolled up and your makeup looks so good and you took a million selfies and you're like, oh, I'll just keep it and take some more in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. Going to sleep with your makeup on is horrible for your skin, not only because you're leaving all of that on your skin, but then you're also depositing it all over your pillow. And then the next night, even though you've taken off your makeup, you're just doing it all over again. So no matter how tired you are, you really should make your best effort not to go to sleep with your makeup on. And if that means the occasional makeup removing wipe next to your nightstand for those emergency, you know, times where you're just so lazy to get to the bathroom. That's okay. I'm all for that because it's better than sleeping with it on. Wait, does that mean you don't recommend makeup wipes? I don't love makeup wipes on a daily basis um, because they can be pretty irritating. I actually prefer using micellar water or a double cleanse method to cleanse because a lot of time makeup wipes tend to be pretty harsh so that they can get everything off. um, And it tends to be kind of irritating to the skin. I will say not sponsored by Costco, although I love them and like would love that in my life. (laughs) They do have a really great Kirkland brand micellar water makeup removing wipes. So I do keep those on hand in my bag and on the go in case I need a makeup removing wipe or just need to like wipe off my face for any reason. So when it comes to nighttime routine, I actually, so I cleanse my face, I wash off my makeup, whatever makeup I have, but then I also use micellar water as well after. Is that okay? Because I feel like it actually removes just whatever maybe the cleanser left behind. No, that's not. Some people think that micellar water should be rinsed off, but some people um, are in the camp of it doesn't need to be. I personally do use micellar water over my eye area after I'm done cleansing again, just to make sure I've removed all of my eye makeup and any extra mascara or eyeliner, um, just because it does such a good job of doing that. So that's totally okay. And then what about for people who have oily skin? Because I think I used to like really have oily skin until I like became combination skin. Like sometimes we think that if we skip a moisturizer, it's better because we have oily skin and moisturizers tend to feel like they are making your skin oily. Now that's a myth as well, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Even oily skin type needs a moisturizer. And again, this is just about finding a product that works for you. For some people, they do prefer um, an oil-free kind of very lightweight moisturizer. um, And that's great. And as long as you're doing that on a regular basis, that will also just help overall to regulate your oil production. Because sometimes that oil, that oiliness and that excess oil production can be the fact that you're actually dry. So moisturizing can maybe help to combat that or at least decrease the amount of oil you're seeing. Yeah, I think that's something that my husband is actually dealing with right now because he has oily skin and he'll like reach into my products. I'm like, no, 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 like don't put that on your skin. You're oily, but he'll still do it. And then, you know, he's more oily the next day or he'll, like you said, he'll exfoliate every time he takes a shower and he'll break out the next day. And I'm like, no, no, you can't do that. So I'm really glad we're having this conversation. I'm going to definitely have him listen yes, to this episode. <laughs> yeah. What exfoliators should we use? for Because yeah, you don't want to use those like the harsh ones where it's like literally scrubbing your skin yeah. off. It's like, beady or you whatever. You feel it, yeah. Yeah, or or is that okay to use as long as it's once to three times a week? Like what which exfoliator should we use when we do want to exfoliate our skin? Yeah. So exfoliating on a regular basis is all you're doing is basically removing that dead skin and dirt buildup so that you can have smoother, brighter skin and just improve your overall complexion. You can do this chemically or physically. So chemical exfoliation just refers to using an acid, whether it's an alpha or beta hydroxy acid. So glycolic acid, salicylic acid, lactic acid, all of these acids are a way to exfoliate. So some people like them in the form of like a wipe or, you know, peel pads or a glow, you know, serum or a toner, for example, that contains an acid. Those are all okay ways to exfoliate. That's chemical exfoliation. And then on the other hand, physical exfoliation is literally manually removing the skin, the dead skin and build up with microbeads or like a scrub or a cleansing brush. So for physical exfoliation, the only reason why I'm not a huge fan is people tend to really overdo that area to the point where they literally create 
create these micro tears in their skin. And then it makes things worse. And I see you pointing to yourself because yeah. you're like, mm-hmm, yeah, that's me. I ruined like <laughs> maybe like a tiny part of my skin. And it's like, I know it's because I overexfoliated. And you just brought up AHA. I think that's how you say it in BHA. Mm-hmm. So can we use that daily? Because I remember on the phone, I told you I use Paula's Choice and it comes in the form of like a liquid and I put it on a wipe and I just wipe my skin with it. So can I use that daily or is that doing too much or should I use that every other day when it comes to that type of chemical exfoliant? Yeah. So if your skin is tolerating it, technically it's okay. Sometimes though, I do feel like using an acid on a daily basis is doing too much. So it really just depends on your skin type. I'm in the camp of like three to four times a week for those types of products. But if it's a very low percentage of acids, then sometimes it is okay to do on a daily basis. Hydroxy acids are just a group of acids. So when we talk about alpha hydroxy acids versus beta hydroxy acids, it's just the chemical formulation of the acid. So alpha hydroxy acids are the ones we often hear about like glycolic acid and lactic acid. Those are really water soluble. So they're very good for penetrating our small surfaces uh, uh, through our skin and going deep into the skin. Whereas salicylic acid is more lipid soluble. So it's really great for going down your pores where your sebum is produced. And so that's t- that tends to be the beta hydroxy acid that people reach for who are acne prone. A lot of products though, as you stated, do have a combination of both of these things. And that's great because they both work slightly differently. But in the end, they're really just helping to remove those dead skin cells, encourage your skin cell turnover, and ultimately increase collagen production. So that's my issue. I'm using the AHA and the BHA by Polish Choice, which I love. And it really has made a difference because there was a month where I didn't purchase it. And I realized like, yeah, my skin needed it. And so aside, look, I do that, but then I also use a physical exfoliant. And that's where I think I'm really tearing and ruining my skin. That's just too, I didn't even know that BHA was an exfoliant. Oh, you are doing too much Yeah, honey. I did not see, that's what I'm saying. Follow my coach, I'm like, you're gonna roll your eyes the more I reveal about myself. But that's, I did not know that that was an exfoliant. I thought like the physical exfoliant was an actual exfoliant. So yeah, like, yeah, the more we talk about this, the more we're learning. So that's definitely something that I'm gonna kick to the curb because that's just doing too much to my skin. Can we, since we're talking about exfoliants and whatnot and you know, AHA and BHA, can we talk about vitamin C? and retinoids and whatnot because we did talk about how we we should include certain things in our morning skincare routine versus our nighttime skin routine these are things that i love and really do use and i have seen a difference especially when it comes to retinoids as well yeah so retinoids are kind of just you know your dermatologist's secret weapon but it's not really a secret anymore because everybody knows about them Mm -hmm. the nice thing about them though is that at every age and every stage they can make a huge difference so in our acne or teenage years we're really using them to help with acne. And then as we get older, we're using them to treat or prevent fine lines and wrinkles and dark spots. So retinoids do all of these things. They're vitamin A derivatives. Prescription wise, you can get those from your dermatologist, but then there's also synthetic precursors as well as derivatives of retinoids like retinols or retinals or retinaldehyde, tons of different names. But basically they all, once they're applied to the skin, convert to the active form and they basically work to to help our skin turn over magically like this like unicorn and reveal brighter skin. Now the problem with retinoids for most people is that it's really irritating. So you have to be careful with how you use them. And for most people, that means when you're starting out, maybe every other night or every third night to start and then slowly building tolerance. Because over time, since they are exfoliating or they are technically an exfoliator, they're going to help to turn over your skin. And you may notice some flaking dryness or what we call a retinoid dermatitis, which is a little bit of peeling. But once you kind of get through that hump, you're at the other side, which is bright, beautiful skin. Can you give like a face to these names? Because I feel like skincare for me is something that I've been passionate about since I was younger, because again, it was traumatic to break out. So obviously I yeah. delved into this, but to some people it's like retinoids, what is that? Where do I even get that from? Yeah, yeah. Can you give yeah. like maybe some drugstore recommendations for, because obviously we want to go through the affordable route. Personally, I use Sunday Riley because that works for my skin and I absolutely love their retinoid. It just, it really works beautifully on my skin and it does help with fine lines. I know a lot of people that were um, submitting questions. They really were just trying to find things to remove wrinkles or decrease wrinkles and line, fine lines. But what are some drugstore recommendations for retinoids that they can go out and purchase? 
So over the counter, you know, one of my favorites is actually just Adapalene, which is found in different gel and also found in a La Roche-Posay product now. But this used to just be a prescription, but now it's over the counter. So especially for those of us dealing with comedonal acne, though that bumpy type acne, that can be really helpful. So purchasing something like different gel over the counter. And then for those of us wanting just more of something that's gentle, that's going to help to overall brighten, smooth things out, help with fine lines and wrinkles over time, things like Neutrogena rapid wrinkle repair or the rock retinol correction cream that they have. Sunday Riley is a great one at Sephora. And then you can even get even fancier with SkinCeuticals has a retinol cream. So tons of tons of options. And honestly, it's just about picking one and starting slow, not every night, a small amount, and then slowly building up your usage. Vitamin C is something that we can apply every day. And if so, what recommendations do you have for that one as well? Yeah, vitamin C, I personally use in the morning, although it is a myth that you can't use it at night. You can absolutely use it at night too. And vitamin C works a couple of different ways. So it's an antioxidant. So it's going to fight free radicals in the environment that can contribute to skin aging, but also discoloration. It'll at a cellular level, stimulate collagen production and brighten and help with your skin complexion. So picking a vitamin C can be really confusing because it's not as easy as looking at the back of the bottle and reading the ingredients because vitamin C stability is really hard to do. And so going with a company that has good research in terms of stability is important, um, which is why you'll see a lot of dermatologists recommend the SkinCeuticals really expensive vitamin C, the CE Ferulic Serum. That being said, as we get more and more research, we are finding that there are stable derivatives of L-ascorbic acid that we can formulate at maybe a lower cost point that can be helpful. Um, In terms of over-the-counter stuff, I'd probably obviously go with SkinCeuticals, but drunk Elephant makes a C firm a serum. There's also the L'Oreal Revitalift serum, which is at the drugstore, and that would probably be my like number one drugstore pick at this point. Awesome. You know, it's funny that you mentioned SkinCeutical one. I was talking to my cousin who works at a med spa the other day, and she goes, Zane, if I was left on a deserted island with only one product, like that would be my one product to take with me. She goes, it's magic. I do not like go a day without putting it on. So yeah, definitely recommend that one. You mentioned collagen. Can we talk about collagen? Because I'm hearing this so much with all the beauty bloggers and influencers on, on social media. And they talk me, about- I use the collagen beauty powder. Powder, yes. Yeah, so there's oh, powders, there's gosh. one that you put in your smoothies. Like, can we talk about collagen, what it is, the benefits of it, and maybe the myths that go along with it? Well, I feel like I'm definitely seeing collagen powders popping up left and right, and it's becoming such a huge question, especially in the office as well. And the reason why everyone freaks out about this is because once we hit our 30s, our collagen production is just plummeting. And it's so depressing because Mm -hmm. it's almost like on the daily you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, there's another wrinkle or wow, my skin is looking so dull. And so if we can do something about it, why not? The problem is at this moment, in terms of collagen supplementation, we do not have really strong evidence to support these pills and powders. And the problem is because even hydrolyzed or broken down collagen it's so unlikely that that is going to be able to travel from your gut and magically make its way to your skin where you need it to plump everything. Now, that being said, there are newer products on the horizon, some companies that have a ton of medical research going into their products and the way they're using small or the sizing of their collagen particles is showing that it has the ability to be absorbed. But we don't have enough information to be like, yes, this product for sure. And I think the real problem is there's so many powders and there's so many celebrities endorsing stuff that right now the waters are so murky and I'm not willing to like put my money on a collagen supplement. That being said, if you love a collagen supplement, or you're using a powder, it's not necessarily going to hurt you, but just know it's not super regulated at this time and we don't have a ton of evidence. But if you want to throw it in your coffee or your smoothie and just have a little extra step, like I'm not going to fault you for that. I just think at this time we can't hang our hats on something just yet. Honestly, I've tried collagen capsules, whatever you want to call it, supplements, and I've also tried the collagen powder and I'm honest, like I've never seen a result. I just oh. didn't. Yeah, and I always 
always like don't even finish the powder, like the, you know, the tub of powder. Cause I just, if I seen results, I think I would be addicted to it, but I personally never seen results from it. So I just stopped putting, and they're expensive, these yeah, powders yeah. and the supplements. They're not cheap. I've never spent less than $40 on these things. So it's like, yeah, I'd rather just like take care of my collagen and whatnot in other ways by, yeah, using sunscreen, staying out of the sun, sleeping better, eating healthy. There's a lot of, um, you know, having an antioxidant rich diet also as well can also help. Is it possible to like, you know, I, I'm okay with aging gracefully. I've always been okay with it. I'm the type of person that does not pluck her gray hairs. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Weird, I know. But is there a, a way that you can reverse aging? Or is it just more so just slowing it down when it comes to your skincare? I mean, you made some really great points. People who are willing to spend all this money on making sure that they're taking these supplements or, you know, for example, doing Botox, et cetera. If you're not doing basics in terms of uh, slowing your skin aging, then you need to redirect your focus. So if you're not avoiding the sun and wearing sunscreen, so just because you wear sunscreen doesn't mean you should go lay out on the beach. Like you should also wear a hat, stay under an umbrella when you're driving, you know, be mindful of the sun coming through the side of your windows. Those are basic things that will break down your collagen and make you look older. Smoking. I mean, even hookah. Like we really need to say that because our community thinks that it's not a big deal and it's a huge deal. So that needs to stop. Eating a healthy diet, like you said, is really important. Wearing something like an antioxidant serum, like a vitamin C will prevent that free radical damage that breaks down your collagen. And then using something like a retinoid at night to boost collagen production. So all of those things will make a huge difference as you continue to do them. And the cool thing is we have twin twin studies now where we look at twins who are much older and we compare them head to head and then we ask them about their sun protective habits or their skincare habits and it's so astonishing to see how one twin will age more than the other based on sun exposure or smoking history and it really does make a difference in the long run. Wow. We all know somebody addicted to hookah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just horrible. I, I never, I don't care for it. I guess I'm more of a socially, what is it? Like I Social, smoke yeah. socially, but it's just like, I'd rather not. I honestly don't care for no, it. Me and I do feel like it's just like, it does dull your skin in a way. Like the next day I don't feel as glowy. Maybe that's just a placebo effect that I'm assuming that, but <laughs> I just, I never cared for hookah. But yeah, you guys, like it's really important for us to kind of take the basic steps first before spending so much money on these uh, skincare products and whatnot. I really want to wrap this up with just acne. I think this is something that, you know, it's a very vulnerable topic. I think a lot of us have dealt with acne, some more severe than others, some where it's really depressed them to the point where they just don't even leave their house. I was guilty of that. It was that bad. And I think it's just really helpful for us to just talk about ways that we can prevent acne breakouts and ways to even just treat the breakouts that we already have and whatnot, specifically mask acne. Like what can we do about that? Obviously we're here for safety. We don't want to just like throw off our masks because our skin is more important than the lives of people. No, no, no. So what can we do to prevent breakouts when it comes to that as well? Yeah, I think definitely seeing an uptick in mask knee in the office, which is what we're calling acne from wearing a mask. But mask knee, all it is, is just that combination of somebody who may be more prone to acne, but also having this repetitive friction from your mask, we call acne mechanica. So just your mask rubbing up against your face in combination with that moist environment that uh, has all that oil in that area. I mean, it's a recipe for disaster. I'm seeing a ton of healthcare workers too who have this because they're wearing their masks for extended periods of time. So when it comes to masks, we definitely want to make sure we're washing our masks. So if you're using a reusable mask, I understand it's easy to keep it in your car and like I'm guilty of that too, but try to keep some on rotation so that you're actually washing the ones that you're using. Otherwise, you you're just putting that dirt and bacteria right back onto your skin every time you reuse it. You also want to be careful of the mask material. So something more like a cotton or silk or satin that's just soft against the skin will be less abrasive in terms of causing that friction that makes the mask. And then I'm a little guilty of this too here and there, but wearing makeup under your mask, that's definitely going to make things worse. So if you're noticing a lot more breakouts, just try to cool it on the makeup wearing and just maybe 
really, you know, dollop your eyes and focus in that area. How bad is foundation when you put foundation on top of acne? Because again, obviously I was guilty of that because like, you know, you're breaking out, you have to go to this wedding or this event. And so you kick your face on to kind of hide the acne, but you know, the next day it's going to even just make it worse because of clogged pores. Like how bad is it that we do put foundation on our acne or active acne? I mean, so it kind of depends on the formulation. One of the brands that I really like for acne prone skin is actually Dermablend because their foundation is non-comedogenic. It won't increase your acne. And it's really great for those people who are wanting to cover acne, especially while they're getting it treated, you know, but also obviously don't want to be walking around with it all over their face. So I would definitely choose that brand. A lot of our traditional makeup products and foundations are just very heavily heavy and will make your oil production worse. So we just have to be careful with that. Would you recommend using clean makeup if you're going through breakouts or acne issues? Yeah. So that's a huge thing that I'm hearing a lot of, you know, this clean skincare movement um, and that, you know, going organic or natural is going to cure all of our skincare problems. And while I respect that movement, unfortunately, I also think there's a lot of misinformation about what it actually means to use natural skincare because the FDA does not really regulate these terms. So using a word like natural or non-toxic or clean on your product packaging doesn't really actually mean much. There's not really a rule saying that the company can't make that claim. So it's very deceiving and tends to be something that marketing wise really gets people, although there really isn't much to do with anything in terms of oversight. Now, when a product says organic, technically it does need a designation by the USDA, but it only requires that a small percentage of the product is organic. So it doesn't even mean that the whole thing is. And the last thing is just because a product is made in a lab or it's a chemical in the lab doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad for you because, you know, you're not going to take poison ivy, which is natural and rub that all over your face. So like true. that doesn't make sense, right? So I can understand wanting to have a simple or short ingredient list, but know that when you opt for that route, sometimes those missing ingredients are ingredients that are helping to one, stabilize the formula, two, help the product actually penetrate your skin so that you actually see a bigger difference, and then three, make sure that the product doesn't go bad and cause you to have a horrible infection, you know, because things like parabens that get a bad rep, all they're doing is basically preventing your product from getting mold and growing a bunch of bacteria, which is something that I wouldn't want to put on my face either. So we really have to be careful with the natural, you know, skincare movement and understand what that means we're compromising when we're supposedly picking something that's natural and if it actually is or not. That's so true. I try yeah. to go towards the organic route. And yeah, it's like, do I really know that much about this brand? Is it truly organic? Oh, yeah. And when you go down that rabbit hole, you get so confused because there's so many brands that, are, like you said, are claiming to be clean, yeah. claiming to be, you know, organic, and they're really not. So I really thank you for clearing that up for me. Also, when it comes to purging, because there's obviously when you're trying new products and you're trying to treat your skin, sometimes you go through the purging phase. Is that like okay to go through or is that not okay? And then when do you know when you should stop using a product? And I know this is just a lot thrown at you, but it's like also like acne spot treatments. What are the best like drugstore acne spot treatments that somebody can go out and buy right now if they do have like an active or like a breakout that's trying to go away? Yeah. So first of all, purging, sometimes I think it's overhyped in terms of what we should expect. If you are applying a product to your skin and it is burning and causing you a lot of redness and you're noticing a ton of bumps right after, that's probably not a good product to use. Now there is some mild purging in terms of starting a retinoid. Some people may notice that they start to get a few more bumps or their skin is slightly more irritated or sensitive. That's to be expected. But if you're the type of person who tends to or thinks that they're purging with each product, then you may actually just have a skin sensitivity to that product. And so maybe it would be better to test that product on the inner part of your arm where you have clear, normal skin and see if you're getting a reaction to it 24 to 48 hours later. And that way you're preventing having a huge reaction all over your face. When it comes to spot treating, I'm okay with spot treating, but if you're somebody who's needing a spot treatment every single week, 
then it might just be time to go see the dermatologist. And I want to say this only because I was that girl. Like I was the teenager who watched those proactive infomercials and made my mom order it and had all of these products that I was rubbing all over my face and putting toothpaste on my pimple. And I just like, as like a first generation Arab American, like my parents, I don't think were really aware of like, what does a dermatologist do and what do they treat? And is this something my insurance covers? But I see teens on the daily basis who have been fighting and struggling and even adult females fighting and struggling with their acne for so many years. And we start a regimen that is in line with the other products that they're using. And they are just so much better And it makes me so happy, but it also makes me sad for like little Fatima who didn't go to the dermatologist and was like just dealing with acne and horrible skin for all my teenage years. So I'm okay with doing a spot treatment, but if you're needing it a lot, then consider an appointment. When it comes to spot treatments, most of them are going to contain the same ingredients. So just go ahead and flip it around and you'll probably see either benzoyl peroxide or salicylic acid. And those kind of help to basically be antibacterial to dry up the area so that it doesn't scar. So you don't want to pop it. You just apply it over it at night and kind of leave it over the area to dry. Can I recommend two things? Let me know, Fatima, if you agree with this. But like Mario Badescu drying lotion actually works for me. Like after three days, it really does minimize the breakout. And then the number one that I really use is the Mighty Patch. I don't know if you've seen that before. And I really do like that. It really does actually work. It really like brings down like the breakout and it kind of sucks it out. It does bring down the swelling. But again, that's just me, my like opinion. Like, do you recommend those things or or are they too harsh? Yeah, the Mighty Patches are great. They're basically a hydrocolloid dressing. So they're just pulling out that moisture and drying it out. So those are totally okay to use. The Mario Badescu one, I used to actually use that. I'm not so much of a fan only because I do think it is slightly irritating um, in terms of the alcohol content of it too. And some people say you they feel like almost like their skin is addicted to needing it. Again, so if you're needing this really often and it's not just a once in a while spot treatment, then it might be better to go towards the right route of getting on some prescription treatments to just control the breakouts you know, from the get-go. Yeah, for Mario Badescu, like I've put it on active breakouts before and it, I think it irritated it way more. So I try to put it on breakouts that have been there for like maybe a day or two or, or whatnot. But that's why I kind of moved on to Mighty Patch and I really love Mighty Patch. I yeah. absolutely love it. It's very, it's clear. You just put it on. It's not messy or anything like that. Lastly, I want to talk about face masks and facials and whatnot. I think like for me right now, I'm using sheet masks. Do you think those are overhyped? Do they actually work? Or are they awesome because they do have like the serum on it and you're just placing it on your your face for 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. So I don't really do face masks very often, except for when I'm like trying to relax, I'll do like a charcoal or a clay mask. And those things are helpful because as we know from like charcoal being used in medicine, we used to use it for people who overdosed. And so it would actually absorb and help get all of the overdose material, whatever that was out of the system. So it kind of has that same science, even though we don't have like scientific papers on it, we can kind of deduce that that's the way it's working on the skin by pulling out impurities. So those things can be helpful. Sheet masks are really great too, because it's applying that serum over the skin and you're just letting it sit there. And when you remove it, you just rub that extra serum in. I squeeze out all the extra in the packet. So that's really good too, but they're definitely not a necessary step. So there's something that can definitely be a bonus, but I wouldn't stress if they're not in your routine. And same thing goes for getting a facial. I think that facials are nice and they're really relaxing. I don't think they're absolutely necessary, but they can certainly be helpful. And there's this, you know, myth or this belief that dermatologists and estheticians like butt heads and hate each other. And I don't think that that should be the case. I respect my estheticians and I think that they have a ton of valuable info to add to the discussion. And I do think that they can be so, so great in so many instances. So they could be super helpful in getting on a facial regimen. Again, I don't think it's absolutely necessary. Start with your basics and kind of go from there. 
Exactly, because I tried the hydrofacial and I absolutely love it because it really it made a difference for me. But this isn't something that I'm doing weekly or biweekly. It's literally once a month. And now my skin has gotten to the point where I just need it maybe once every two months. But what I like about the hydrofacial, it's like a vacuum. It just cleans out your pores. That's basically what it is. And they kind of inject your skin with serums. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, yeah, just like a face mask. But it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's nice where it could kind of suction out your pores. Did you want to say something, Dana? No, I was going to say I wish I could. We're talking about face mask and and sheet mask. I wish I could look at the amount of money I spent on products that were so unnecessary. (laughs) And I mean, people listening to this episode, I feel like they're going to save a lot of money. They're going to really focus on the products that they need specifically. I want to talk about overhyped products. And one of those is the jade rollers. I've seen this all over my social media. I've seen the positive and the negative and everywhere in between. So what are your opinions on jade rollers? Do they really work? And should we implement them into our skincare regimen? Yeah, I kind of did like a little eye roll as you were asking. (laughs) This is also something that's actually more of a a traditional medicine, jade rollers. And I do think that they have a beautiful purpose, but I don't think they're necessary. And I think that the things I'm seeing on social media are actually quite alarming that people are making claims that their jade roller is going to somehow change their skincare completely or change their life. Now, the one area I do think it's helpful is if you're somebody who tends to be more puffy. And when we talk about puffiness, that tends to be more so with the lymphatic flow in your face. So we all have lymph nodes in our face and they drain into certain areas of our face. And when you see these techniques of jade rolling, it's really to help massage and get the lymph lymphatic flow going. And so it's not necessary, but if you're somebody who wants to, for example, kind of depuff before a big event, or if you wake up in the morning and you feel like you have a puffy under eye, then that can be helpful to, to gently roll that area out. Do I think it's going to take away wrinkles or change anything on a cellular level? Probably not. So I'm not going to completely poo-poo the idea because again, skincare can be an experience. And for a lot of people, the ritual of using a jade roller and applying their serum with it is very relaxing. And I can totally understand that. But do I think it's a necessary step? Absolutely not. Got Thank it. you. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was on that whole jade roller craze, but I get really lazy. I know somebody with the 20 step care routine, (laughs) but I did. So I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. But are there any last pieces of advice that you would like to give our listeners? Any maybe drugstore products that you feel like you would like to recommend or just, you know, just keeping it simple. I think that's the one thing that we've learned that was the kind of the theme of this conversation is just keep it as simple as possible and get to the root of your issue at hand, whatever it may be, if it's puffy eyes or breakouts or whatever it may be. Yeah, I think one thing I want to leave people with is try to find a dermatologist. Like, honestly, it can really be something that can help you in the long run. If you are the type of person that's just standing in the skincare aisle, so overwhelmed and not sure where to take things and your face is full of acne or scarring or dark spots and you feel like you've just tried about everything, then it's a long overdue visit that you need. And I love actually when people bring in their skincare products, we talk about their morning and nighttime routine, and then I make suggestions in the way they're using their products, but also potentially add in prescription strength products that will help them achieve their goal much quicker. And one thing I think that's important is that you don't have to be suffering alone. Like come to us. We are the experts in this. Like I've done a crap ton of schooling to get to this point. So it's been a long road and I'm happy to share that information. And I love seeing that transformation. Like nothing makes me more excited than taking my patients before a photo, because I always tell them this is your before photo. And I'm so excited for your glow up because we're going to get you there. And it's so rewarding for me to see that. And I think it's because I remember like little Fatima struggling with her acne and like wishing I had somebody to help me through this process. And so it's really, really easy to find a dermatologist. You can look on the AAD website. So the American Academy of dermatology. If you go on there, you can just type in your zip code and it'll give you board certified dermatologists in your area. So it's super easy to find one. And I would encourage everyone to just make an appointment and just go in and it's okay to not know exactly why you're going in and just want to have a conversation about your skin. This might be a silly question, Fatma, but does our insurance cover this as well? 
Yeah. So a trip to a dermatologist is usually covered as long as it's not a cosmetic visit, like for Botox or fillers. But if you're coming in to talk about acne, acne scarring, dark spots, definitely starting with the dermatologist, suggesting products to you or writing prescriptions, that's usually a covered service under your insurance. And when it comes to using devices or potentially um, Botox and fillers and those types of things, you know, that will be cosmetic. But a lot of people don't realize that an acne visit to the dermatologist is covered by your insurance. And more likely than not, the prescriptions that we'll provide for you will find coverage with your insurance too. And so instead of spending 500 bucks at Sephora, maybe you just pay your copay at the dermatologist and you get what you need much quicker. Just like uh, you both said, especially when Zayn, when you're like, I wonder how much money I spent. Yeah. Like, we're so scared of spending money or going to a ther- dermatologist because we think it's really expensive. No. But here we are spending hundreds of dollars at Sephora. I hope, you know, people can take away this, at least from the episode is to just, you know, go seek out a dermatologist, you know, aside from from our primary care doctor, aside from, you know, us promoting mental health care as well and seeking a therapist, this is also just as important, especially yes. when you're struggling, because honestly, it could really mess you up when you're struggling alone with your acne and your breakouts, especially when you see social media and everybody has perfect skin and flawless skin. And then the filters on Instagram doesn't help either. Oh, no, no, they no. really kind of bring your mood down because now you're now not only are you comparing yourself to other people, you're comparing yourself to, a you know, a generated, fake, yeah. yeah, like this, you know, a generated filter that's not even real. So thank you so much Fatima for this conversation mashallah you are you are so knowledgeable thank you thank you for all that information I really hope it helps a lot of people I hope a lot of young people listen to this so they can be stopped in their tracks and uh, instead of assuming that they need the 20 step skincare yeah don't make the mistakes that we made when we were younger yeah or adults who never took care of themselves either there's such a thing as adult acne and whatnot so thank you honestly you passed your exams I'm honestly just it's so amazing to have somebody like you in our community that you always share so much information on your social media as well. What's the best way that our listeners can find you on social media or any other outlet that you have? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Dermy, D-E-R-M-Y underscore doctor, or on my website, www.dermydoctor.com. Thank you guys so much for having me. I had so much fun. I'm so excited to hear everyone's feedback about this episode. And I want to know what you're going to go to the drugstore and buy. So make sure you let me know after you listen to this. That's so exciting. By the way, everybody requested you and they always wanted you to come on. So it's like (laughs) a lot of people are going to be like, oh, we already knew. But Thank you so much, Fatma. Enjoy your weekend with your family, inshallah. And we can't wait to release this episode. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye.